Hey guys, we're here for episode seven of the e-commerce opportunity podcast. Cody, my friend, how are you? Good, man. How are you? Doing well, bud. I just, I just need one of those lights above my head. What was that? I just need that uh, e-com Cody instead of to match your e-com chase behind me. Yeah, come copy me and Shaq. We got it going all day. <laughs> well, dude, thank you for, for being here. Do you mind starting with kind of what you're working on right now? Yeah, working on building Kinship, our influencer marketing agency. Me and my, when I say our, me and my business partner. Um, yeah, trying to build that as big as possible, help as many people with influencer marketing. Amazing. How did you get into influencer marketing? Yeah, so my journey is kind of unique. Um, I kind of just fell into it. I, I played college hoops, so I've just been an athlete like all my life and stuff like that. And so when I worked at a company called Kalo, it was a brand that was fast growing, kind of created the silicone wedding ring industry. Um, and I kind of got grandfathered in. And I worked under a guy named Jordan Palmer, who's kind of like a quarterback guru now. He's training all like the top draft picks. Um, and we were working with a lot of macros, like big, bigger time influencers, celebrity type athletes. Um, but that's kind of my first start and introduction into what was called influencer marketing. I didn't really think of it that way, but I just got to, I was like, sweet, this is a gig that I get to d- still be in like the athletic world and, you know, hit up and talk to athletes. Um, and then pretty soon Jordan kind of left it to me to build the program there. Um, so we started working in like a ton of different categories from, um, you know, mommy bloggers of the world to, you know, pet influencers, military, like obviously you have everybody that's married in every category, right? Like, so the use case was wide ranging. So that made like the influencer community all the more wide ranging as well. It wasn't just like, oh, we're a running shoe and we're just kind of in running. So it gave me a lot of experience with so many different categories. Um, and so I got to see kind of like how influencer marketing worked within each of those categories. But yeah, that was kind of my journey, just being there for three or four, five years um, and building that program there. And so I kind of just fell into it, to be honest. Dude, that's that's awesome. I think one or two things actually might be helpful before we continue. What is yeah. your definition of like a macro influencer? And like, how do you define a micro influencer? Yeah, so, I mean, there's so many different definitions out there. If you Google like macro influencer, you're going to get a different definition. <laughs> um, but how we, would, how we would define it is basically just any, probably anyone above 500,000 of following. And then especially like once you get into people that like, oh, I recognize their name because they're either on The Bachelor or they play a pro sport. Um, like those sorts of things that would be like considered a macro influencer. How we define micro is like 10 to 150K or five to 150K. Some people define it as like even smaller than that. Um, so that's kind of the problem, right? Like there's so many different definitions out there. That's why it's still kind of a wild, wild west of influencer marketing. Everybody has kind of like their own terminology behind it, but that's how we define it. Um, yeah. in terms of identification people. Yeah. Right. There's, there's no like classification that everyone agrees upon. And that also, like, there's like no standardization of price. Like an influencer with a hundred thousand followers uh, might charge, you know, a thousand dollars with another hundred thousand influencer might charge 2,500. Right. So it's kind of interesting, which makes it kind of fun. You got to get creative with deal structure. I'd imagine. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you bring up the reason why I would say the number one reason why it still is the wild, wild west, um, because there is no standard across the industry to your point. Like, it's not like every person with 50,000 followers only charges hundred bucks for a story post. 
it's just like they charge what they get paid <laughs> um, or their agent, you know, drives a markup for that. So yeah, it makes it difficult. And I think that's why like we want to be as educational as possible and helpful, you know, whether it be on Twitter or um, just doing stuff like this and trying to educate people. There's more than enough to go around and trying to help navigate the influencer marketing world just because more than any other channel, it's so human, you know, it's not like, you know, your attribution window or like on Facebook ads or even probably as technical as email, um, you're dealing with humans at the end of the day. So yeah, it makes it, makes it tricky. Yeah. That's interesting. So question for you, um, why influencer marketing and kind of to elaborate basically in other words, I'm asking you say I have an e-commerce brand, right? Um, can you sell me on why I should be leveraging influencer marketing? Like what does it mean to you? Yeah. Um, I love this question. One of the things I would think about is just the need. I think influencer marketing one has always been around. Um, we just, the term became popular in like 2014, but like Michael Jordan on a commercial back in like the 1980s, that was influencer marketing. It's just like what's changed is the access the, to these people. Right. So Michael Jordan on an Air Jordan commercial in the 1980s, that was probably the only way that you were seeing him outside of just watching his games. Um, versus like now you have Steph Curry and he's taking stories of like him in his house playing with his dog or like LeBron James on Taco Tuesday, you know, like those things, like the access has changed. So that makes those people all the more influential, not only to their audience. So, so that's kind of at a macro level, but at a micro level, when you're working with like smaller tier influencers, um, the power of UGC becomes more and more important. And so I would say, that's the number one reason that you can be leveraging influencer marketing for your business um, is the content creation ability of these people, because a lot of them have built their followings off of their YouTube channel, them having a great personality, being able to convince an audience, not only to follow themselves, but like anything that they love, such as products or brands. Um, so I think that's what makes it incredibly powerful, not only on their channels as distribution, but being able to work with creators to take their content, repurpose it, um, there's huge opportunities for brands, um, to leverage it in that way. Yeah. Do I think UGC, right. Is, is universal in the fact that you could use it on email, you could use it on top of the funnel on your ads, you could use it on your website, right? Like one right. piece of content to your point, you made that repurposing could live in three or four and five places in a way that's unique to each channel. So, um, I, I appreciate that in terms of like working with influencers, do you have any platforms that you, you love? Like what are your favorite platforms for working with influencers? And are there any social platforms that you try to avoid? None that I would try to avoid. I think the only hesitation when you try to go to omni-channel, like all at once, like we need to do influencer campaigns with on TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, like you're running into a problem um, just in the same way as if you're a brand, if you're trying to go omni-channel too quickly, I would say as well. Um, same thing there. Um, but I would say that the continue to be the market leader is Instagram. TikTok obviously is very interesting and you see and hear stories of, you know, making a ton of money on that platform organically. Um, I would still say that those things are outliers. Like those things aren't the norm of like making a hundred grand off one organic TikTok post, but those two become very, very interesting um, with influencers per se, especially since even just TikTok, the content, I think a lot of things are going that route of short form video content, creative, um, so I would focus on those two if you are going to pick any. Sweet. So so lasering in then on, let's say, TikTok and, and Instagram, 
when you think about working with an influencer, do you think about a deal structure in the same way on, you know, an Instagram influencer versus a TikTok influencer? Like if they're one and the same or two different people, like is the deal structure and all the fundamentals the same? Or are you taking like a platform by platform approach? Yeah, there can be definitely something specific to that platform. Um, the way that we structure deals is definitely more focused on the content production versus like the distribution to their own social channels. Okay. So I would think about it in that way, like for Instagram, like um, maybe they produce four videos, but they only post one of them, but you get four videos in return to be able to repurpose. That would be a way to think about creating a deal structure with an influencer rather than just viewing that as like, Hey, can you do the traditional pay for post model where it's like, we're going to pay you, you post on your social channel and we're hoping for sales kind of cross your fingers, pray to God and hope <laughs> like type of thing. Um, so that, those are some of the ways that like would be helpful for people to think about a deal structure with an influencer is like more so on like the content production than even focusing on the channel specifically. Um, because if the channel, if if it raises the price, then I'll just try to switch to the, a different channel um, just because the focus should be on the content itself, not necessarily what they're posting on. Right, because the content allows you to repurpose it, right? So it's great for them to post it and be organic yeah. and get their distribution, but it's also great for you to be able to put some spend over and really control like who's going to see it outside just that single influencer's um, audience. Dude, this, right. is, this is great. Um, one question I have, and I know you've kind of talked about this on Twitter and some other platforms. Um, can you kind of walk me through like at a high level, like how you build an influencer community and, you know, tips on identifying, you know, maybe outreach and kind of collecting the content. I know you had a pretty cool thread on this recently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say that this strategy, like just talking through it applies to one influencer or a thousand. Um, but real simply, like just going through the process is identification, like, right. So you have to be able to identify the right influencers on behalf of your brand that goes into them analyzing their content creation ability. Um, looking obviously at like an active profile, something that has decent engagement rate and stuff like that, but more so, especially when you're trying to build an influencer community, the way that I think about it is uh, there's a overlying philosophy in terms of building the relationship on giving and not asking. Um, and so the standard in the industry is, Hey, Chase, like, I'm going to send you my product, but can you post twice? So it's very transactional right away. Um, even if they do, even if you were to post that two things, um, that relationship started out transactional. And so like that, this goes into messaging. Um, the way that we believe the best way to start a community, how to start relationships. So if Chase, you're the influencer, I want to start that relationship in the right way to where like, I really value you as the influencer. So I'm not going to ask for anything up front because I'd really value you using my product. Um, so one, being able to identify the right influencers Two, the messaging needs to be very no strings attached, built on giving, not asking. Three, getting them the product obviously can take a ton of time. Us at Kinship, we have a we have a Shopify app that's able to sync to stores. So you can do that really effectively. I won't really go into that. That's a shameless plug there. Um, and then four, being able to track after you, like, after I send you my product, the variable is, um, and what we see oftentimes, even without asking for anything up front, these influencers end up posting regardless, um, just because there is like sort of this law of reciprocation there, but also too, like we just started the right way. And if they are an organic lover of your brand or product, um, 
it's very easy, especially with Instagram stories to just throw it up on a story or talk about it to your audience. People naturally talk about things that they love. Um, and especially without the fact that you're not asking for anything up front, there is that variable. But what we do see is people post. And so there's softwares out there, one of which is called Mighty Scout, that you're able to track whether they post or not. And so us as an agency, we're doing this all the time for on behalf of our clients, where we're able to track the organic content that's posted. And then we're able to take that content, manipulate it, and give it back to you so that you can get it right into your ad account. Barring we have content rights. So we are following up for that as well. So that's a very quick, like five-step process. Um, so in the short term, you can get UGC, especially doing this strategy. But in the long term, you're gonna have relationships that you get to tap on. And that's the real compounding value that you have as a brand. Um, because even if you chase, you know, you have a sock brand that you send out hundred influencers, you reach out to them, only 10 come back and they're like huge fans. Those are 10 relationships that you have long-term that you can trust and count on to be like, hey, would you want to work together on a you know consistent UGC contract? Would you want to be a part of my affiliate program? Like these are people that are saying yes to like signing up and representing your brand, which is really, really powerful. Like, like basically you have a pool of people that you just can tap on at any time. Um, so I think that's where we do a lot of education for brands is like trying to think about it in that way. Like Try to not be so ROI, like I must see dollars come in right away, but think about this in a more long-term way. Amazing, dude. And then the last question that I have, and I want to go to the questions from Twitter because there's a lot of good questions, is around tools. I know you just mentioned one. I didn't catch it all the way. It was Mighty. What was it? Mighty Scout. Mighty Scout's one. What are other tools that you're using either to contact or reach influencers or even to run your agency, right? Whether it be this project management system, this, that tool. Yeah. So one of which is called uh, Tagger. It's an influencer discovery tool and platform. Um, that would be one of the biggest ones. Um, yeah. So Tagger is a big one for influencer discovery. Um, that would be a huge tool for people to use. But honestly, for influencers, I always try to get people like away from trying to think that they have to spend thousands of dollars on all these fancy discovery tools or platforms or CRMs. When, especially when like for brands that are just getting into influencer marketing, like there's great free tools at your disposal, such as like Facebook's, Facebook owns a influencer discovery tool called Brands Collabs Manager, which is free. Um, it's not super robust, but it's still like it's Facebook and Instagram that you can discover influencers. There's even Instagram itself, like the drop down arrow uh, is a great way that's like all based on the algorithm to like, if I go to you and your profile and I click the drop down menu, it's going to show similar people to Chase Diamond, um, all based on Instagram just feeding this. So those are some of the tools that I would recommend um, that are free at your disposal compared to like, even if you pay for Tagger, for example. So Tagger, Mighty Scout, those free ones that I just mentioned would be great starters. Amazing, dude. Appreciate that. Um, we have a lot of questions from Twitter. I'm going to try to get to as many of them as possible. Um, so let's start with the first one. And I think you maybe mentioned this. So if, if there's any of these that I ask you that you feel like you already mentioned, we'll skip them. Um, yeah. How do you keep long-term relationships with influencers? Yeah, I would just real quickly, I would just go back to what I was just saying about like building, starting the relationship on giving and not asking will help keep you long-term relationships with influencers. So it just goes back to how you start. Um, if you start transactional, it'll be a very transactional long way. Um, but if you start on giving, you're, you're setting yourself up to, for the potential to have a long-term relationship. 
Um, and then it's also like, I could tie that back into how do you keep long-term relationships with anybody? Um, because it's human at the end of the day, like there is going to be a give and take there. Like, as you see these influencers be attracted to your brand, there is like something to be said about, okay, continue to send them product, continue to provide value to them. Just as if like our friendship, how do we maintain a long-term friendship? Like it's the same thing. Um, these are human beings at the end of the day. So I would just think of it like the more that you can remove like the influencer awe, um, the better in terms of like trying to maintain long-term relationships with them. Dude, I, I love that. That's that's great. Some common mistakes to avoid. Common mistakes to avoid. I would say number one, um, the transactional piece, reaching out to them, asking for things up front. Um, also putting a lot of stock in follower count. Like those are like the vanity metrics. I would try to like if Instagram got rid of follower count tomorrow, the way that I think about influencer would not change. So like if if I went to a profile and saw zero like follower, like it was completely removed. I would still be looking at the type of content that they're creating and whether they, I can gauge them on whether they can produce really quality video content. Um, we only use video or follower count as guide rails meant to like pick people, but that is it. It is supposed to like narrow down like your search, but that's about it. Um, so that's a definitely a trap that people still get caught up into of like, how much follow, how many followers does this person have? What's their engagement rate? You know, like how many likes does this person on average get? Those things are just continue to be more and more meaningless. Yeah. And I understand why. Like it's an easy thing to fall into, which makes sense of why it's common, right? Totally. Um, another question is how do you normally reach out to influencers? Are you reaching out via email? Are you reaching out via DM? Are you doing yeah. Great question. Um, I was actually on a previous podcast where he was also, he was like making a bigger deal about like how I was sending like back in the day at Kayla, I was sending so many DMS to like these big time athletes. And he was just like, you make it sound so easy. And I'm like, it is man. Like the worst thing is like, they don't respond or they say no. Um, but I get it. It is, it can kind of be intimidating at first, but to answer your question, I would say just DMS, emails, the ways that you can get a hold of them, the better. Um, and it begins to be a numbers game at that point, but email can be a little bit more professional if you're wanting to work with them right away. DM is a little bit more casual if you're maybe just, for example, wanting to just send them product. So I would just think about it in those two ways. Sweet. Uh, one follow-up question I just thought about. So if you're DMing someone, are you DMing them as Cody? Or are you DMing them as the, the brand uh, profile, right? So if it's someone asked about ASOS, right? So are you emailing them as ASOS or, or Cody? Um, definitely from the brand, uh, like the more you want to try to eliminate any hurdle that this person would not respond. So if I've never heard of you before, like from a, you know, if it's Cody compared to like, Oh, ASOS, I've heard of them. Or even if it's just a brand, it's a little bit more like inviting, um, versus just like, you could just be some Joe Schmo off the street. So I definitely like recommend shooting them DMS from, the brand itself, especially at first, until you can get to a point where like they know you at the brand. Like for me at Kalo, like I definitely shot DMs from my personal account and stuff like that. But that was after we had like a clear relationship at that point. Cool. That makes sense. Um, I'm going to ask this question. I, I'm not in your world, so I truthfully don't know exactly what this is asking. So hopefully you do. Um, <laughs> do you do permanent deals like branded Instagram accounts and dedicated influencers for brands similar to how ASOS does it? 
Yeah. What I think this question is asking is like more so to influence our whitelisting or boosting posts through Instagram handles, like such as influencers handles. Um, so I'm not familiar with what ASOS does, but this sounds like what they would do. If they work with an influencer, they might boost the post or run ads through that individual's handle. And yes, we do that all the time. The only thing I would say on that is the biggest variable to success because we've seen influencers crush with whitelisting or page access is another term for it. Um, we've seen influ or brands that have not been successful with it. And the biggest variable is creative. Um, you know, your boy, Nick Shack would say that at the end of the day as well, like the biggest variable to success within Facebook ads is the creative. And so, um, it doesn't matter if you have Conor McGregor or some influencer you've never heard of, like the best performing ones through, um, running page access through their handle is going to be the type of creative that they are running. Awesome. That's fantastic. One more question from Twitter. And then I, I have just one or two last questions that I was thinking about. Uh, do you have any experience building an affiliate empire of influencers? No personal experience of doing that. Um, that was never anything that I did personally at brands, obviously, or with the brand that I worked at. Obviously, brands are continually interested because they see the gym sharks of the world that have built out a very robust affiliate program. Um, but I would just say, like, they didn't start with, okay, we want to build a, a huge affiliate program and we're going to ask you know, to give them, give them products so that they can post and, you know, run discount codes or anything like that. It's actually, it starts with product seeding. It starts with getting the product out there to as many people as possible, see the genuine adopters adopt the product and brand and fall in love with it. And then things like an affiliate empire, um, to use that phrase, um, starts to build itself. So that's, it goes back to my point earlier of saying like, it just sets you up for success of anything else that you want to do because you have this pool of people that are generally lovers of your brand and product. Um, if that isn't an interest to you. Sweet. And the final question that I have is what would you say is the most valuable skill that you've personally learned and how does that serve you today? I would be a broken record here, but honestly that the valuable skill of, and this is just for me personally, um, but also in the influencer marketing world is that phrase, build relationships on giving, not asking. Um, I think a lot of people, and I think you and I have talked about this a little bit is a lot of people have a scarcity mindset of even just knowledge or being able to educate. And like you put out a ton of content, you always are trying to, you know, educate people, give people, you know, advice, tools, um, things that they can use to help their email campaigns. You're not like hoarding it. And so like then the same way, that's been a huge value that I've seen just not only like come back and return for me personally, but just building relationships with people like yourself or um, people in the network. So I would just think about it even outside of just building relationships with influencers. Think about the community that you want to get into. Think about the people that you want to have access to and think about what would be valuable to them so that you can provide valuable <laughs> information, tools, knowledge, um, whether it be physical products um, to them that you can start the relationship in that way rather than like coming in and asking of something of them. Um, I would say that's a huge, huge skill in terms of just business, but also within the influencer marketing world. Dude, fantastic way to end it. Thank you so much for, for being here. Um, for anyone that wants to connect with you, to work with you, to pick your brain, just to follow along on your content, uh, what's the best place or places for people to 
follow you, email you, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, Twitter and Instagram, just at Cody Whittick. Or those, those are the two platforms that I'm putting out content a ton about, obviously, mostly influencer marketing. Um, but those are the ways that you can connect with me personally and therefore my agency. Um, but yeah. Cool. I will drop your handles below. And Cody, thank you for being here. And thank you guys for listening. Thanks, Chase. All right. Cheers. Bye.